episode 161, Species-Specific Carnivore Diet. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Bart Kay's Perspective. Join 2017 and 18 Podcast Awards-nominated host and best-selling author on Amazon as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctor and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Thanks for joining me again today. We have a wonderful interview that will make you stop and question the next thing that you eat. I can almost guarantee it. Before we go any further, I want to thank our sponsor for today, Himalaya Botanic. They are a toothpaste. I don't know if you ever tried to find a toothpaste that does not have SLS, fluoride-free, or no artificial colors and flavoring. But when you do, you're going to find out that they are pretty bland. And honestly, you're just like, uh, I don't feel fresh. But with Himalaya Botanic, that is not the case. They don't compromise on flavor or performance. And their tagline is uh, bursting with foam and flavor. And it's true. It's that foam to me that makes it feel like it's really doing something and it's got a nice flavor to it. You can get 20% off on Amazon with discount code 20DOCTOR20DOCTOR. In the show notes, there's a clickable link to get you there quicker and easier. No trade-offs when it comes to Himalaya Botanic. Y'all check them out and use that promo code 20DOCTOR. If you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you've noticed I've been talking about one sheets, the one page PDF to highlight your expertise so that other people would want to hire you, have you on as a podcast guest, potentially an icebreaker to your potential doctor referrals. And I've been doing more and more of those lately from chiropractors to dentists, podiatrists, etc. So I'm building a portfolio right now. Uh, really excited about it. It's fun. That's a passion. I wonder if I would have known about digital design if my life would have been on a different trajectory because I just enjoy it. I guess you got to find your hobby passion, whatever that might be, gardening or writing blog posts, etc. I'm working on a landing page. It's not there yet, but you can just go to a doctorperspective.net slash one sheet and you can uh, get some information there to start with. And right now, it's definitely, this is September 2020. If you're listening to this in the future, my rates are definitely lower than what would be average because I'm still a little bit new at it. And like I said, trying to build a portfolio. Okay, so today, when we're going to talk to Bart K, he's got three different physiology degrees. We'll go into a little bit about the research that he did for the New Zealand All Blacks of Rugby team and the uh, New Zealand Australian Navy SEALs equivalent. Okay, we're going to talk about the stem cell supplement. I never heard about it. Apparently, it's a somewhat of an MLM, but regardless, if you just ignore that, I know a lot of people hate MLMs, um, but just listening to things he has to say is interesting, if nothing else. And then the big piece of the interview is the species-specific diet, carnivore. So I Googled it after our interview, and it looks like, uh, like Joe Rogan was on it for like a month at some point. But yeah, if you've never heard of it, definitely listen to it. It throws everything you've heard out the window. Enjoy learning about the carnivore diet. One thing he does mention is high-intensity interval training, which is definitely something I agree with. And he also has a big, strong YouTube channel with all these types of conversations, uh, statin drugs, cholesterol, um, his view on intermittent fasting. So we cover a lot of stuff today. I hope you enjoy it. If you have any comments, if the things that he says, you're just like, there's no way. How can you say that? Let's start a thread. You know I'm going to post this episode on Facebook and Instagram. You can leave your comments below. I'm sure he'll be loving to comment back as well as myself. So it's a little bit of a controversial show. Thanks again to the sponsor, Himalaya Botanic. 
Oh, super excited. Since putting the acupuncture book on Amazon, it's hit first, second, and third naturally in several categories. So super excited about that. It's great to see that there's a market out there. I just was um, having a little trouble doing my marketing to get the word out there. But when you're on Amazon and you've got millions of people, all of a sudden you can sell a lot more books. The electric acupuncture pin, you can still get through the webpage though. .net slash epin. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 161. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany and New Zealand, I want to welcome to you the show. We've got a guy who, 20-year cardiovascular pathophysiology senior lecturer. He is um, a researcher. He's got his own YouTube where he dissects research. And uh, it's actually kind of funny because you just like read it and, and you're like, whoa, he's blunt. He's honest. But he actually gives really good information and like helps you dissect everything. And he's also uh, been involved with the New Zealand All Blacks, the, the NRL. Rugby League Referees Association and a bunch of other athletic type organizations. Pretty wild. So I'm so excited to talk to him about different topics on nutrition and different things. So please welcome Bart K. Well, thank you very much, Justin. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. I appreciate it very much, and I shall do my best. You betcha. I'm looking at my little intro sheet, thinking the font was too small. <laughs> yeah. So silly. All right. All right. So there's so much to talk about with you. We got everything from stats to research and anatomy of the heart, you know, stem cells, nutrition, and then the YouTube. So where where should we begin? What What's your passion right now? Or like, what's the backstory that we should bring us up to date with? What do you think? All right. Well, I mean, I guess uh, my energies are, are a bit diffuse. I've got a lot of passions. I have plenty of passion to share around, to be fair. I My big passions are disinformation being espoused by ideologically driven pseudoscientists, charlatans, and crackpots variously. So one of my, one of my uh, big strings, I guess, on my channel is putting up videos where I'm debunking such people who want to say things that are just ridiculous and nonsensical. Behind that, I have a real passion for helping people, supporting people to get to their best possible state of health, their best possible quality of life, their best possible longevity by means of encouraging people to adopt a species-appropriate diet, which we can get to a bit later, Justin, if you like. And, And my third passion is in promoting various uh, activities, including a particular supplement that I'm involved in marketing, which is an adult stem cell encouraging supplement. And we can explain mm. about adult stem cells and what they do a bit later. So they're my three main energies. And my fourth energy is in fighting and raging against the YouTube machine in, in their uh, in their diabolical censorship and control over over what people are allowed to see and hear and and they are the thought police so so fighting that good fight as well so there you go that's me in a nutshell oh Justin what to what to ask first because <laughs> yes there's definitely have been a uh, uptick in the censorship especially in America in its political season so lots of things are getting debunked you know I actually lost the Facebook. A whole fa- and that's a different company altogether. 
But like one year, I think they went through a bunch of Russian and I think like gay and lesbian sites because there was a bunch of like false information. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I had both of those topics on the podcast. And it's literally the only thing I can think of that somehow it got flagged and then I lost everything and there's no getting it back for nothing. Yeah. I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't understand what happened. So anyway, that's it's, it's pretty wild what they can do if they think you're not. It's pretty crazy. First, I'd like to ask about this um, cardiovascular path. How did it What's that about? How did you become such a prolific lecturer on that that you don't just get to be a, a senior lecturer doing nothing? Right. So I I had a 20-year career as an academic, which I walked away from in 2016. Wow. Because I had basically had it up to my eyeballs, up to my back teeth, if you like, with academia and various people within academia trying to tell me what I could and could not teach. In most civilized Western countries, it's actually enshrined in legislation. An academic is legally entitled to hold and espouse any opinion he or she should so see fit, whether or not that opinion is popular. In other words, it's an absolute carte blanche to say whatever you want to say, and that's enshrined in the legislation. That, however, can come into conflict with various institutions' curriculum documents, and that's how those institutions, those managerial structures will build an argument against a given lecturer who refuses to tread the well-trodden well dogma. Now, in my particular case it was it was me refusing to teach material to fee-paying students that I knew absolutely to be without question incorrect false information and mm. so I was fighting that fight for about 20 years until I finally said you know what for the equivalent of 80,000 bucks a year this is going to kill me the stress is going to kill me I've, there are much better things I can do uh, for some bizarre reason I thought that that would be to have my own YouTube channel. No, that's got its own stresses, and, and it doesn't earn $80,000 a year, not because I, I, I couldn't garner the interest that would, that would take, but because YouTube will not allow me to garner that interest. That's, that's the shadow banning and the, and the censorship and the thought police thing that we can get onto later. So I'm kind of – I'm allowed to have a YouTube channel of a certain size. I'm allowed to earn a certain amount from YouTube, and I – supplement my income these days by having private consultations with those who see my material and see the value in what I'm saying and who want to, to me about how best to, to support their health, etc. So my, my areas of expertise are, I've got three advanced research degrees. The first two are actually exercise physiology based. So a general physiology, then an exercise physiology in particular, and then I did cardiovascular physiology as the third one. Uh, so I spent 15 years or so teaching exercise physiology, general physiology, anatomy and physiology. I worked in, for example, there's a laboratory at the, uh, the University of Auckland where I was working for a few years where we, we, we had a cadaver lab that I worked in there for a while. I was invited to do some work with the New Zealand All Blacks at one point, as you mentioned, and that was in preparation for their successful 2011 World Cup campaign. 
I've also done some work with the NRL referees on their fitness and preparation, as you mentioned. And also I've done some classified work with both the New Zealand and Australian Defence Forces on their, basically their, what's the equivalent of their Navy SEAL teams. Uh, and for those that don't know, the New Zealand SAS, the SEAL team, is feared worldwide even by other military organisations. They are, you do not mess oh. with those guys. So I've done some work with those guys as well in terms of getting them ready to do what it is they do, which of course I am unable to talk to you about at all, but there you go. In and around all of that, I taught for 20 years in various different universities uh, here in New Zealand, Australia, and up in the UK as well, uh, until I finally decided at the end of 2016 academic year that will do, and I pulled up stumps. So there you go. That's pretty hard to do, 20 years in. And I think this is a good preference to when we go into the YouTube and, and all this other stuff is, so let's let's go with like the rugby teams and all that. Mm. What What type of things were they trying to get from you to, to, to hire someone you know in academia and all of that to, to, to support them you would think typically it would be quote medical doctors or physical therapists and things like that so what were they hiring you for that's kind of cool to talk about right okay so different jobs for the different organizations depending on what was going at the time basically what happens is they will these organizations will advertise for someone to answer a specific question and then you apply and it's a tender process and you say what it's going to cost etc um, so, for example, the project that was with the Australian Defence Force, that was a 12 million Australian dollar project that, uh, that I was involved in there. And their question was, why are we breaking so many soldiers? Why, why Physically. Yeah. In, in terms of what they're asking them to do in training, in their workaday week, they had a process by which they deemed a soldier to be fit to move to the next stage of their training there was a basic fitness test that was you know you are now ready for basic training there was an advanced fitness test that said okay you are now ready to, to go through hell week to, to get into the SAS for example mm. they had a test to determine whether or not those guys were were up to it and they were passing guys fit to try hell week and as you know, probably from I mean, it's, it's, this is not classified. This is no secret. Hell Week. It's like TV. There's movies about this. How how brutal it is for like the U.S. Navy. Yeah, it breaks guys left, right, and center. They, these guys are supposed. And they sign up for this stuff, which is the craziest thing. Like, yeah, bring it on. That's what I might experience my whole life. Yeah, for, I, I want you to completely destroy me. Yeah, no, but the the organization is passing these guys as fit to attempt it when they were not fit to attempt it. Their fitness test was not appropriate. Ah. Basically, the project was to find out exactly physiologically what was going on and why, what mistake had been made in terms of their, their what's called their doctrine, their, their procedures and policies. Yeah. And so that was that project, for example. I did a similar, much scaled down version of that for the New Zealand Defence Force, of course, because they had less resources, being a smaller organisation and a smaller country. The one for the All Blacks was interesting. What they wanted to know was exactly what does an international level rugby player do on the field for that 80 minutes so what i had to do was go through we had to set up specific cameras to follow specific players in other words every single player separately and then we had to sit through hours and hours and hours of footage to determine exactly what the activity patterns were for individual players 
and thus determine how we should physically prepare those players for that World Cup campaign. Because, again, Holy cow. the training procedures were based on assumptions about what rugby players do and don't do. So what we did is answer the question, what do they do? Not what do they Are they actually doing lots of sideways running? Are they actually – how are they planting this? What are they using with the shoulders? I hate to tell you this, rugby fans, but actually rugby players, for the vast majority of that 80 minutes, are standing still, doing absolutely yeah. whatever. Okay. The the assumption has been that rugby is a highly aerobically tele- challenging sport. My research showed it is nothing of the sort. Rugby is a strength. Is it like sprints? It's sprints, it's strength, it's power. It's got nothing to do with aerobic capacity. So ask rugby players to spend hours and hours a week running miles and miles to prepare them to play rugby, completely inappropriate. In fact, contraindicated because all that does is add a training load is add cumulative fatigue and reduce their ability to train at the top intensity thus reducing their performance on the field not increasing their performance on the field so that's now with the nrl referees it was the same thing nrl referees and rugby league referees in general are asked to generate and to prove a high level of aerobic capacity to referee rugby league games. I proved that that too is completely inappropriate and in fact reduces the ability of rugby league referees to train and prepare specifically for the demands of their sport. So that's the kind of research I did with those organizations. Wow. So they're almost in a sense like American football. They just need to be fast. 40-yard dash as fast as you can, not necessarily soccer players. It's fast. It's strong. At the end of the day, in terms of rugby union, it's big. Big is the answer. Mm-hmm. Or playing anywhere in a, in a low number, it's big is what you need. If if you're wearing any number above uh, above 10, then power-to-weight ratio, speed, is, is the biggest thing for you. Um, nothing whatsoever to do with aerobic capacity in any one of the 15 players. Nothing at all. You will develop exactly the aerobic capacity you require if you train appropriately for your sport, which none of them have been doing. Has rugby in general, have they adopted what you've said like throughout the league? Or that's why the, black, the blacks are so good? Well, the All Blacks are not telling the other nations what they've done. Of course. Why would they? Ah, okay. So it's not like it's the secret's out and it's been nope. all out there. It's kind of it's kind of classified as well within, within rugby circles, but not in the way that a military classification is where it's illegal to say anything about it. Ah, okay, okay. Well, they will give you a here is, here is what you can say. Here is what you cannot say sort of statement. But obviously the understanding is that I'm not supposed to say exactly what, what how rugby players should train. But I'm allowed to say they should train high intensity, repeat burst, nothing to do with aerobic capacity. They should train specifically for their sport. Of course, if people want to know exactly how rugby players do move, they would need to see that research, which the New Zealand Rugby Union is not making available to anybody, of course. I can imagine. Well, that's a good advantage. All right. So let's jump into this um, stem cell thing. Because it's it's a hot topic. All I know, are, my audience is doctors. Yep. I interview other doctors. We've talked about, uh, like, what's that stuff called? Uh, where they spin it down and then they inject it back into you. That's mostly what we, we've talked about in the past. So how does a supplement or, or how did you get involved with that? What's going on? Okay, so I answered an advertisement about 10 years ago from a company that, as it turns out, is a multi-level company, a multi-level marketing company whatever, that's that's their decision on, on their marketing plan. They had 
developed a product which, given that most of your your listeners are physicians, I think I'm pretty safe to use uh, the parlance of same. So let's 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 be very clear. This product is an extract from a particular blue-green cyanobacter which grows in one place only in the world that they're aware of. They harvest every 12 hours from this one particular lake where it grows and they harvest in the amount of tons and tons at a time of this stuff. And by the time they go back 12 hours later to reharvest, the regrowth is such that it has been entirely replaced. So we're talking about a very very sustainable source of, of base product. Uh, there is a proprietary process that they go through to get this particular extract out of it. It is an L-selectin ligand, which um, basically causes the bone marrow to release a bolus of CD34 plus adult stem cells. So we're not talking about embryonic stem cells at all. We're talking about your own bone marrow-derived pluripotent stem cells. The usual outcome for such stem cells is that they're usually released at a steady rate at its highest when you're 18 years of age, and thereafter it's a downward slope to uh, senescence and ultimate death, basically. However, you can never run out of these CD34-plus stem cells because part of the process of releasing it causes the cell to divide, uh, thus leaving one behind and releasing the new one, basically. So you can't run out of these things either. Part of the process of aging is that your ability to release them goes down. It's kind of into your genes. It's one of the reasons why we age. That along with, you know, the shortening of telomeres and that kind of carry on as well. So this product is a product which directly ligates the L-selectin and releases the adult stem cell into the bloodstream, where most of them become blood cells, either red or white. A few of them become immune cells, sure. However, we have shown through research over the last 10 years that these CD34 plus stem cells can, and in fact do, differentiate into any cell line whatsoever except gametes. In other words, anything but, but, but sperm or eggs, anything. Okay. So hair follicle cells, yes, it's not working for me in that respect. Macular cells in, your, in the back of your eye, yes. I answered this advertisement from this company. They were looking for a trainer to basically scoot around New Zealand and Australia on a two-week tour rotation and drop into all the major cities and run training sessions for the distributors in that city about this product, how to market it, what to say, what not to say, because the FDA has some pretty stern rules about supplementation, what you can claim, what you can't claim, etc. And rightly so, I don't have a problem with it. They can also, for example, replace damaged cardiac tissue post-MI, for example. They can, they so it's an issue in your body, it'll figure out where to go? Like you can't, quote, direct it to one thing like y y your knees bust up. Right. And that's why the FDA won't allow us to say this product is good to heal your busted knee. This product is good to heal your heart post MI. This product will repair your vision. We cannot say that because the body decides what to do with the CD34 plus stem cells. 
What this product does is it does exactly what it says on the bottle. It causes the release of the stem cells, and then, then it's your body that decides what to do with them. It turns out the newly differentiated tissue created by CD34 plus stem cells, they have full-length telomeres. Hello. Oh, there you go. Hello. Mm. We talked about that in the podcast at one point. You know, it's, it's the shortening of the telomeres over lifetime where you start to – that's how you start to age and things like that. This product is associated with renewal and repair of damaged, aged tissues – and the replacement tissue is, to all intents and purposes, 18 years of age. Hmm. Goodness. So, so that's the, I guess that's the hard part with stem cells when you have it like this is you end up getting it, say, for your busted knee or your eyes. Hmm. But your body might be like, I don't need it there. It might be a repair issue that you don't know anything about. Yeah. Is that to say that, like, if you're a pre-diabetic, maybe it helps rejuvenate the, the pancreas potentially? Or it's hard to say that? Again, we can say... There is a potential for that. You, you need to do an N equals 1 observation on yourself. You need to take the product for at least 6 to 12 months because it takes quite a while for this process to occur. It's, it's a daily, uh, once or twice by the day, consumption of a couple of oral capsules, basically, and that's basically the intervention. Again, we can say we can absolutely show with clinical evidence that this product releases stem cells but they're not directed by this product. Your body decides what to do with them. And if your body deems that producing some pancreatic cells is a priority, then that's what it will do. So when you say algae, you're talking about algae? A-L-G-A-E? Yeah, although we shouldn't call it algae. It's not. It's actually a blue-green cyanobacter. Cyanobacter, okay. Which is a cyanobacter is not quite a plant and it's not quite a bacteria. It's kind of a, a whole class by itself that exists between plants and animals. Okay. Have you seen any long-term consequences in a bad way? Nope. And this is a product that's been available for about 15 years. So if it was going to happen, it probably would have by now. Okay. So between the YouTube channel and this, you said earlier, a species-specific diet. Yeah. What can you tell us about a species-specific diet? Everything that you've ever been taught about human nutrition is absolutely fundamentally wrong. It's nonsense. Okay. There we go. Human beings do not do best on a balanced diet. Balance is a word that we associate with goodness and light and fairness and justice. Balance is the worst possible thing you can do nutritionally because you are a specific species. You are evolved to fill a specific ecological niche, and that is obligate hyper carnivore. We are not designed to eat plant material of any kind. It is actually contraindicated to eat plant material. It is the worst thing you can do for your health. Basically, the, 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 your genetic gift, your, your biological design by way of natural selection process over at least three million years has led to our current speciation, Homo sapiens sapiens, and we have existed on the Earth for, give or take, 350,000 years. During the entirety of that time, except for the last couple of hundred or so, as shown absolutely by nitrogen-15 isotope testing from the collagen of skeletal remains of human beings throughout that period, we have consumed almost entirely meat and fat from animals and not plant material at all. We took various plants for 
medicinal purpose throughout our 350,000-year um, history as an exception, not as a rule. It is only the Industrial Revolution, the Iberian Revolution, that has led us to believe that we should be eating plants, basing our diet on plants, all that kind of stuff. And now that's been reinforced in the last, most specifically, 80 to 100 years, most aggressively by those with a financial vested interest in pushing that barrow. What I, what I challenge people to do, Justin, is to just go and have a look at public health statistics in any westernized nation you like over the last 100 years and tell me that we've got more healthy, that we've got less obese, that we are experiencing less heart disease, that we're experiencing less diabetes, that we're experiencing less medical problems of all sorts, and I will eat my hat because the exact opposite is true, isn't it? I was going to say because a lot of people would say that it's based because we went to so much processed food with all these ingredients that we can't even pronounce, so much freaking sugar that our bodies can't even handle it. Absolutely part of the problem. But when you say it's about the sugar, that again, that is, that is a mistake because what you'll see people doing is saying avoid sugar, but instead base your diet on lots of healthy whole grains, won't you? And the reason I'll say that is because whole grains release sugar into the bloodstream much less rapidly. Mm-hmm. So there are two points there to, to get our heads around. Number one, apart from fructose, from fruit, all carbohydrates break down in the blood to exactly the same thing. Right. Glucose is what, is what happens. Okay. So what you're saying when you say don't eat sugar, instead eat whole grains, is you're saying don't eat sugar, instead eat sugar. But isn't there a difference? Well, that's what I'm getting to. They'll say there's a difference. The whole grain breaks down more slowly. And they'll, they'll cite the GI scale as their evidence for that. Now, one of the things that I taught over the last 20 years or so as I was going through my career academically was statistics, lies and statistics. Yes. Okay. So I've analyzed the data very, very carefully that has been produced by the people who produced the GI scale, who, by the way, are people who were funded by people who have a lot of money invested in and make their living out of selling people lots and lots of healthy whole grains, by the way. Interesting, isn't it? What they have done is they've produced this research, which is completely underpowered statistically. In other words, not enough individuals for it to be powerful. They've controlled it very, very poorly. There are a number of confounding variables at play. And what you find out is the signal-to-noise ratio in that research is such that the research itself is useless. Now, to put that into layman's terms, what that means is this. The variability between two individuals, let's say myself and yourself, Justin, if we gave myself and yourself the exact same bolus of the exact same food and we tested our blood glucose responses respectively for the next few hours afterwards, your response would be completely different from mine for every single different food that we possibly could test. Right. Go up. In some cases, I'd go down. In some cases, you'd go down. I'd go up. The noise around the average signal is massive. Okay. So to generalize to the public on the basis of a completely underpowered study with too few individuals with huge noise, not appropriate. Secondly, if we test you today for a bolus of any given food 
and then we test you again in two days' time, and then we test you again in four days' time, six days' time, whatever, same time of the day, same everything, control everything, but just give you two days' rest in between and just test you again and again and again on the same food, the same amount of noise occurs around the, the signal. So you, you're not reliable within yourself. So what are we left with? We're left with all carbohydrates except fructose break down directly to glucose, and there's no way that we can justify a statement that grains release sugar more slowly than does table sugar. We cannot say that. There is no science behind that. There's only an ideologically, financially driven, vested interest driven idea that that is so, which has now become entrenched dogma. Unfortunately, it does not stand even the most cursory scientific refutation, as I've just provided. There it is. Go and check the stats for yourself if you don't believe me. In fact, there's a video about it on my channel, so you can go and look at that too. Exactly. It's awesome. That's what stuff he talks about. So, because that's what I was thinking is like, okay, nobody needs a Snicker bar. Nobody nope. needs a bag of chips. Nope. But if you're eating that, plus you're eating quino and, and sweet potatoes and all this stuff and making whole wheat flour bread, it's almost to me, it's like you need to pick one. You can't have both. Mm -hmm. You can have one. So maybe go with the grains. And then if you got, and you might be even saying, you don't need any of that stuff, really. What do we have? We have fruit. We have vegetables. That's what grows in the ground, ex excluding rice, excluding flour. We don't need to eat any of that stuff. Just maybe go with fruit, vegetables, and meat. But then you just said just meat. So that's right. Let's explore this a little bit more, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Okay. The physiological requirement for carbohydrate in the human diet is zero grams per day, not one gram ever. Right, because you can just use fat, keto diets, and things like that. Correct. And gluconeogenesis will provide you with the exact amount of sugar that you require. Gluconeogenesis is a demand-driven process, not a supply-driven process. If you need sugar in your blood, which you do for life, then your body will produce that sugar from basically from gluconeogenic precursors. Uh, so we've got some gluconeogenic amino acids that you'll get from meat. You've got glycerol backbones when you break down triglycerides. You can use the glycerol as a gluconeogenic precursor. Uh, and your other option is monocarboxylates. In other words, lactate, for example, would be, would be an example of a gluconeogenic precursor. So you are completely capable of managing your own blood sugar level if you eat a species-appropriate diet, which consists of meat and animal fat. So I hear people say, oh, but fiber, though, you need fiber, to which the answer is the same. No, you don't. Not one gram of fiber ever is required for good health in human beings. Not one gram at all. Uh, people should look into a video on YouTube done by an Australian uh, doctor, which we won't hold against him, by the name of Dr. Paul Mason, who has outlined the research evidence uh, in support of fiber in the diet. Spoiler, there is none. Not a single study has been done of an experimental control powered and tenured nature in a, in a metabolic lab situation that establishes the need for fiber. There is also no evidence whatsoever that a lack of fiber is associated with any form of dysfunction, including constipation, and certainly not cancer of any kind. That is absolute nonsense. There is one existing clinical trial in fiber and one only. That was a study on about 80 individuals who were locked in a metabolic ward. All of them were constipated at the outset of the study. That was a selection criteria. 
and they split the cohort into various sub-cohorts, which they randomised to be otherwise as identical to one another as possible. Not perfect, I know, but pretty good. And they removed an amount of fibre from those people's diets, a percentage amount, which varied depending on which group you were in. They got a dose response which was absolutely linear and clear. The more of the fibre that was in their diet that was removed, isocalorically, the more regression of symptoms they got, to the point where the group that that consumed no fibre whatsoever had a complete 100% reversal of all symptoms and gut dysfunction within two weeks. 100% remission rate. Fibre does not prevent constipation. It appears to cause it. Interesting. What would we consider fibre? Fibre is any um, anything that's not immediately easily broken down into sugar molecules. Basically, fibre is what you will find in whole grains, in fruits and vegetables. Um, it's all the stuff that we would expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Also, what you'll find is that meat and fat contain no fiber at all, because why would they? At the end of the day, I can point you towards the the carnivore supporting community on all the various different social media that you can look for these kind of characters, and. You know, invariably and universally, they report vast improvements in their health, vast improvements in their digestive function, vast improvements in, in their in their bowel function. And what are we talking about here? Just eating extra virgin olive oil, or just uh, cooking with pig fat? And okay, so olive olive oil is plant derived and therefore contraindicated. Okay. Um, also, olive oil contains a significant percentage of polyunsaturated fatty acid, which is absolutely contraindicated in the human diet. Basically, anything that you can see in a supermarket that's amber-colored liquid in a bottle at room temperature and has the heart foundation tick on it, all of those metabolic poisons, they are pro-inflammatory, and they will destroy your health, including the health of your heart, as sure as little green apples grow uh, grow on little green apple trees. That, the, the research on this is very, very clear. Polyunsaturated fatty acids, totally contraindicated. No oil in your diet. All the fat you consume should be solid at room temperature. Otherwise, it is a no-no. So is there, I guess, you know, in America, we have all these different types of, you know, fast-mimicking diets. There's paleo, there's keto. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that, like, anything that we can label to make this, like, an easy-to-follow diet? Or, like, how do you... Yeah, go to the meat market and eat anything you want, some, from quail to... Uh, yeah, let's, let's make it absolutely clear. What is being suggested by those in the know on the carnivore diet? Here it is. The basis, the vast majority of your caloric intake should be the flesh and associated fat of ruminant animals. Now, does that mean you cannot eat anything that wasn't a ruminant? No, you can have some chicken now and then. Uh, you can have some fish now and then. You can have some pork if that's what you're into. Mix it up with your animals. Basically, the the rule is if it had two parents that were animals, it's food. And if it grows in the ground and had roots, it's not. It's that simple. You don't need to complicate it any more than that. If it's sugar of any kind and it didn't come from directly from a plant, let's say honey, again, no. Honey is basically sugar. So that's what your day looks like? Just eat Eat meat, never, you never just get a, a delicious cherry for no reason? No, my particular approach is one meal a day because that's what I require because actually you get 
all basically all the calories that you consume in the form of meat and fat you absorb and use. There's there's very little to actually excrete. The the bulk and well just the bulk really the bulk of the um, of the excretion goes vastly down on a carnivore diet because there's much much less wastage. There's not this huge bulk of fiber that you can't that you can't absorb and, and digest to to push through, which destroys your gut lining and causes constipation, chronic inflammation. Not to mention the anti nutrients, toxins, and things that you find in plants. Believe it or not, plants don't want us to eat them. That's not what they're here on the planet for. Uh, animals use other tactics usually, like running away from us, hiding, flying away. A few of them have toxins, sure, but mostly it's it's ambulatory moving away from us and, and, and not being caught. Cauliflower doesn't have that ability. Exactly. Cauliflower is stuck to the ground and it, and it needs to it needs to protect itself from being eaten. Uh, most of the plant toxins are designed to kill insects. They won't kill a human stone dead, most of them, but they will kill you over 20, 30, 40 years, make no mistake. You are not designed to eat plants, ever. Does that mean I never, ever eat plants? No, I'm not perfect. I'm a human being and I live in the world that we all live in currently. So I've been known to have a few berries here and there. I've been known on very, very rare occasions to completely splash out and have something completely inappropriate like pizza and beer. However, as a carnivore that's that's now adapted to the carnivore lifestyle and stuff, every time I transgress and put any amount of plant material into my body whatsoever, the next 48 hours is hell. Really? Like well, gassy and stuff? We're talking gassy. We're talking acid reflux. We're talking... A complete sluicing off of a, of a bowel lining. We're talking about complete meltdown because my body has now got to optimal health that realizes that it doesn't need or want any of that stuff. And so it reminds me very, very clearly. It says, don't do that again. Uh, so that's, that's how it goes. That's really the one downside of carnivore uh, lifestyle. You can't transgress and get away with it anymore. Dang. Um, so you, only, so you do a lot of like intermittent fasting as well. Like if you just eat once a day, then the body's going to get, adapt to that as well. In okay, so let's let's clarify that one. Fasting for any amount of a 24-hour period is not fasting. That's just not eating. Okay. Fasting starts at three days, 72 hours, no food intake. That's where a fast starts because that's when autophagy kicks in. That's when mTOR kicks in. That's when stuff, actually useful stuff, starts happening. So to me, uh, a training fast is three days, and that's just to get you used to not eating uh, constantly, two, three, four, five times a day. And an actual useful fast is a week-long event. That's fasting. Just not eating for the vast majority of any one given 24-hour period is just not eating. That's not a fast. So what what is your opinion on the people that are subscribing to like the – 16, 12 to 16 hours where you don't eat and then you just eat within that four or five hour window. What's your thoughts on that? There is some use in that in terms of controlling an out of control blood glucose situation. However, that's a means by which to deal with a symptom rather than dealing with the problem in the first place. In other words, it follows the allopathic methodology, which is never mind fixing the problem. Let's just sort out the symptoms, which therefore is a bit silly. What you need to do is sort out what the problem is. Now, if you have a, a situation where your blood control is out of out of whack, and I'm talking about type 2 here, I'm not talking about type 1, okay? The problem is your intake of carbohydrates. The solution is stop doing that. You are going to eat and eat in fat. Right. 
not designed to eat sugar. Further to that, do lots of high-intensity repeat burst type activity to like a session of five or six sprints to failure over a less than 10-second period once a day or once every other day. That will increase your insulin sensitivity back to where it should be. That'll sort your blood sugar issue out. So there's, there's the answer to that one. Okay. It's not The answer is not metformin. The answer is <laughs> these allopathic interventions. That's ridiculous. That will not yeah. solve the problem. That will mask the symptom. What are your thoughts on the – what was that book? Eat Right for Your Blood Type, where each blood type has a tendency to desire more vegetables or more fruit or more meat based on, on that type of theory. Have you looked into that at all? Yeah, I don't buy it. No, I don't buy it. No. Okay. So is this why your YouTube channel is like denies you because it's kind of kind of contrary to what most people would – Correct. So I'm not I'm not pushing the currently accepted uh, narrative. I'm not pushing the currently accepted dogma, which is avoid saturated fat, avoid meat. I mean, this is so crazy. This to me is like like flat Earth. These flat Earth that they're like, oh yeah, the Earth's flat. You're like, oh, okay, guys, maybe maybe not. <laughs> to just eat meat, you know, I, I never even would have thought that, like, because of the cholesterol. That, but I guess keto, these keto people, that's what they like to do too. They they eat lots of meat, lots of, but you said plant fats, which might be the reason why some people don't do well to it. As a former senior lecturer in cardiovascular pathophysiology, listen very carefully. Cholesterol does not cause atherosclerosis or heart disease or a health problem of any kind. That is absolute nonsense. It's the sugar stuff, right? It's chronic systemic inflammation of which sugar is a big part. Okay. Yeah. Cholesterol is that definitely harmless. Completely. I can see why you had a trouble lecturing this all the time. Exactly. They wanted me to say the exact opposite, and I said, I will not be saying that to a group of fee-paying students. Number one, because they're paying a fee to learn some actual facts, some actual science, and number two, because it's dangerous, misanthropic disinformation. If you tell people to avoid cholesterol and lower their cholesterol, that will lead to directly cause and effect to reduced health status, reduced longevity, reduced everything. And if you then also say the best way to reduce your cholesterol is to take this wonderful statin drug, then what you're actually doing is telling people to take a dangerous contraindicated metabolic poison that will not add one day to their life expectancy. In fact, it's likely, if anything, to reduce it. And he goes on for about an hour about, and one of your videos, I saw a clip, a couple clips of it with a, a with somebody on an interview. So if you look on his page on YouTube, you'll be able to find that. Uh, um, a whole playlist on cholesterol. It's about 35 videos. So there's many, oh, many. a bunch. Okay. I really dissect this, this science very, very fully, very clearly. You, you owe it to yourself to go and find out. And if you are a physician, I know that you are mandated to behave in a certain paint-by-numbers way. If the patient yeah, they don't really have an blood option. cholesterol level over X, Y, and Z, then you are required to write a prescription for statins, and you are required to lean on that patient very hard and tell them to take statins. Let me promise you something. You are likely to be killing that person by doing that. It is a dangerous, contraindicated metabolic poison with no scientific indications whatsoever. It is dangerous, misanthropic. It is against your Hippocratic Oath to prescribe that drug. And more of you need to stand up and write letters to your boards of control and say, this has to stop. There you go. So what should we do? I guess two comments. Because if, if you could just say carnival diet, then I'll say, okay, well, how long should you try it to see how you feel with it? And then the, the part I'm curious about is uh, it's one of the most common issues people have, some kind of heart problem, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. 
what are some of the things that we can do based on you know your expertise out there yep. uh, to get a better the cholesterol is not a problem. Okay, so we're not worried about the cholesterol. When you when you go on a on a carnivore diet, your cholesterol, your total cholesterol will go up. Your LDL cholesterol will go up, and that is absolutely indicated and healthful. That is not a health problem of any kind. So let's get that. LPAs and all that other stuff matters too, or it's okay. Say that again, sorry. Like the LPA levels and you know this kind of. Hey, let's let's cover this. Let's cover this logically. Every single lipoprotein that exists in your body exists because there's a length of DNA that encodes for its production. Such DNA having survived 3,800 million years of selection process. It's there for a reason. All of the lipoproteins exist for a reason. They have a job to do. The best thing you can do is let your body get on with it in terms of how it's going to produce various different proteins. The second thing that you need to do is the thing that you actually should be doing intervention-wise, and that is eat a species-appropriate diet. The nitrogen-15 isotope testing tells us what that is. It's meat and associated animal fat. That is what you should eat. You should engage in repeat burst-type high-intensity exercise three or four times a week for about an hour at a time, where the hour is the length of the entire session. The actual training will be four to five repetitions of sprint at high intensity or do resistance training at high intensity to failure over less than 10 seconds. That's what you're designed to do. You're designed to, to hunt in packs and chase down animals. You're not designed for aerobic activity. You're not designed for any of that stuff. It's nonsense. So that's what you need to do, basically. If you do those three things, exercise, repeat, high intensity training, H high, high T, if you like, eat a species appropriate diet and do not try, even attempt to intervene in your body's uh, workings in terms of the production of lipoproteins, that will that will resolve your risk situation to the point where you're basically going to be bulletproof. You will be basically immune to heart disease, chronic systemic inflammation, type 2 diabetes and all the sequelae involved in that, most forms of dementia, um, and there, there are your big killers right there, all taken care of just by paying attention to your genetic history, your genetic gift, how you have come to be on this planet and ignoring everything that pseudoscientific crackpots have been trying to drive down your throat since the time you were born. Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> Fruit and vegetables are not good for you at all. A balanced diet is not a good idea. Go and look up the Randall Cycle, R-A-N-D-L-E. The Randall cycle tells us exactly why a balanced diet is the worst possible thing you can do. Basically, if you mix um, fats and carbohydrates in your diet, both nutrients will be locked out, which leaves your body with only one option, and that is to store it as fat. The storage of fat is a metabolic process which is underpinned mechanistically by chronic systemic inflammation. In other words, the phosphorylation states of various different uh, enzymes and things, i.e., now you are going to get type 2 diabetes, you're going to become obese, you're going to develop cancers, you're going to get heart disease, you're going to get dementia if you last that long, etc., etc. All because you believe someone in a white coat who told you that fruit and vegetables is good for you, a balanced diet is a good idea, and avoid saturated fat and meat. No. Well, I heard too that 
they were like, there's a way to eat food. They were like, if you do eat the meat, or the, like you said, meat and carbs together, it's, it's not a good combination. You should have one first, let your body do whatever it needs to do, and then eat the next piece. No. Again, again, just no. Um, <laughs> when you eat carbohydrates in any significant amount, it takes about 72 hours at least for that carbohydrate to clear your system. You can't just say, oh, I had carbs this morning, and so this evening I'll have my fat, and that'll keep me safe. No, it won't. Okay. The only answer is to permanently remove one of those macros from your diet. Now, is there any such thing as essential fatty acids? Yes. Is there any such thing as essential carbohydrates? No. There's your decision made. Not the car. <laughs> get them gone. Simple. All right. Plus these are the amino acids you can only get through protein that your body has to have. That's right. Yeah. That's an interesting thing, too. You also get amino acids and proteins from plant material, absolutely, but not as effectively. That's why you'll find right. vegans will, over a number of years, vegans will actually melt away and fade away and become skeletal because they say you, you know, all the proteins we need are in the plants. Sure, they're in the plants, but that doesn't mean you can use them. That's, that's mm -hmm. people melt away because they eventually run out of fat stores, and then there's nothing left for the body to do but start eating itself. So it does. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Burst exercise, if we just Google different types of burst exercise, I mean, my first thought is massive sprinting, but I'm like, if you have an injury, that might not be a possibility, so. Yep, yep, get get yourself involved with a knowledgeable personal trainer who understands that the, the best search term is high intensity interval training, or H-I-I-T. You'll find heaps about it there. Yeah, get yourself a decent personal trainer, they don't, don't necessarily rely on someone who has a Wednesday afternoon certificate in personal training. Get yourself an actual qualified individual to help you with that if you if you have any doubts. Okay. Certainly if you have injury situations, absolutely you need to make those known and, and, and get some good advice on it. So this is tough for some people, I would guess, because a lot of people just want to read a magazine and walk on a treadmill for an hour, two or three times a week. And you're actually saying, yeah, you actually have to work. <laughs> you need that heart rate to be really stressed. Yeah. And, and fill it like at the end, like you said, two failure means you, I cannot go anymore right now. Correct. Like that's a, that's the next level. If you're talking about sprinting, that means run as fast as you can so that you could not run a one single meter further in a 10 second period. If it's mm -hmm. talking about weights, what I, what I really mean there is probably a three to five set maximum sort of weight so that you, you could, you could bang out four or five reps. But as soon as you try that six, that's when you lock out, you cannot lift it. Oh, I like that. You know, I hate running. <laughs> running, running is absolutely contra like distance jogging, distance running, marathoning, 5K running. Not a fan, huh? Absolutely contraindicated for human health. The worst thing you can do for your health. Very interesting. So like your YouTube channel, we'll, we'll wrap up here. So the YouTube channel definitely covers a bunch of this type of stuff. It goes on about that. And I see you put out new videos all the time. So you're doing a lot of work on that. That's for sure. Yep. Despite the despite the YouTube not wanting me to succeed at all, so please do go and support me. Do go and sub to my channel, hit the like button, make some comments underneath, share some of my links of my videos on your social media so your friends can see it. Do be aware that I tend to use one or two very short words in my videos. I'm very passionate. I make no apology for it. I do it for clicks. It's about uh, it's about having some shock value. So I do use very very short words quite often. Just so you know. Yeah, no worries there. Thanks for keeping those off our show. We try to keep it uh, 
Of course. So I don't have to edit it out. <laughs> Once you get that label on Apple, it's over. <laughs> cool. Well, how can people reach you and uh, and find all your information? So my my YouTube channel is the best place to go first. Uh, it's called Bart K Nutrition Science Watchdog, as you can probably see up on the top of the screen there at the moment. I have a Facebook page by the same name. You can find me on Twitter as Bart underscore K underscore NZ, I think it is. But look, here's, here's the here's the take home on finding me. If you punch my name, Bart, B-A-R-T, K, K-A-Y, into any search engine you like, you will find me. The first 10, 15 entries that come up will be me. I cannot not be found. So it's a, it's a unique name, right? It is. And it's, you know, I have a profile, so I'm, I'm well known to, to the search engines as to who I am. So that's, that's probably the easiest thing to do if you can't remember anything else. All right. That's great. That means you have been doing some good publishing and SEO. If you can just pop out like that. So you're doing something right there. Yep. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top Episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial, and then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the No Needle Acupuncture book. 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin, at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, Pure VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, ProLone Edge or Hawk Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the ProLone diet, fast mimicking diet, five-day plan. Let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.